This is the Rundown. The Rundown. The Rundown. Hosted by Luke Lipinski. 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Live from the Auction Community Studio for the next half hour. Luke Lipinski here with you. Jesse Morrison behind the glass. We've got D-backs and Dodgers again at the bottom of the hour. Uh, pre-game coverage. First pitch will be a little bit after 7 o'clock, and it will be Corbin Martin making the start for the Diamondbacks, which is exciting and depressing all at once because like, he's one of their better prospects. We want to see what he can do. He's part of that uh, trade with the Astros. That's cool. And also it's depressing because they don't have any players left, and uh, we'll get into that in the next segment. But we want to start off with the Suns here uh, tonight, certainly as we get closer to at least finding out who they're going to play. Got Lakers Warriors tomorrow night at seven. Monty Williams today voted a National Basketball Coaches Association Coach of the Year. So this isn't technically like the main NBA Coach of the Year award. This is voted on by your peers. So I mean, depending on what your perspective is, you could look at this and say this is even more meaningful. But Monty Williams wins it. Certainly deserving. I mean, you look at what he has done for the the Phoenix Suns in his short time here. Eighty five and sixty record. It's not even just that for me. It's uh, And that's in two years, obviously. I mean, you're not giving the award based on two years. You're giving it based on this year. So how about just this year? 51 and 21. Two years ago, the team was 19 and 63. Uh, like I said, though, it's not just the record for me. It's the fact that he has been so instrumental in changing the culture of this organization. And I get that it's not all Monty Williams. He's not the only thing that has changed things for the Suns over the last few years. But he really might be the most important, you know, I mean, you start to look through big moments in in organization history over the last however many years you want to go back to get them to the point now where they are the number two seed and one of the best teams in the NBA. I don't know that it's fair enough to go back to like, hey, took Devin Booker in the draft. I mean, that's 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 a ways back. But if you're just looking over recent memory, you know, certainly signing James Jones as your GM has been a, a huge step in the right direction. Drafting DeAndre Ayton, um, training for Chris Paul. But I, if it's not just one thing, but if you're telling me I have to s- s- like single out one thing specifically, the most important, I, I really think it is them going out there and signing Monty Williams on as their head coach because you have to remember where this team was at that point. Yeah, they were 19-63 and 63 the year before. They were averaging like 21 wins per year over the span of four years. But also, they were changing coaches every year, every year and a half. And I remember we talked about it on this show and all, all the shows on the station. It wasn't just that you were bringing in Monty Williams. It was that you were showing that you understood just how important head coach was for a young team. It was the credibility with players around the league no, guys, like, like you're never going to get LeBron on this team, but he was somebody that talked up Monty Williams, and it wasn't just him. Chris Paul, <laughs> and, and look how that worked out. It was the fact that the Suns committed to him for years. I think it was five years at the time. And just his attitude, his his uh, like he, he walks that fine line that I think is so important in today's NBA or really any of these sports where you're a player's coach, but you're also a disciplinarian too, and you're not like a pushover. That to me is a fine line to walk. He talked about it today, just what this whole experience has been like for him in Phoenix. Remember, this is still really 
big picture, just getting started, the, the Monty Williams in, in Phoenix era, but already making uh, making waves. When I got fired in New Orleans, I, I had, you know, basically one prayer, and, and that was to, if I ever got a chance to be a head coach again, I wanted to have a job that I enjoyed and, and be in a city that I enjoyed living in and have a chance to compete at a high level. And all of those things have been answered, and I'm grateful to God for that and, and so much more. It's just hard to root against Monty Williams. I don't think anybody is. But it's hard to not root for Monty Williams, even when he's not your coach. But bringing him in gave the Suns credibility, giving him the deal where you you knew and the players knew that he was going to be here for more than just one year, gave your head coach some credibility with his the guys in the room. Because if you're going through year after year where you're struggling and you're just like, all right, you know, even if they were winning 30 games a year, if by the final couple weeks of the season it was like, all right, we're not going to make the playoffs, I'm kind of banged up. Do I really have to listen to this coach? Do I really have to to listen to Earl Watson or you know whoever if I know they're not going to be here next year? That all changed when they brought in Monty Williams because, A, this guy's got credibility around the league. B, the team gave him credibility with his own players by saying, this guy's going to be here, so you better do what he's he wants you to do or you're not going to be here as a player. And then C, he's just a good, he's a good coach. And also, you bring in a guy like that, and then you start to get guys like Chris Paul. This is Chris Paul today talking about Monty Williams and what makes him such a good coach. His attention to detail, you know, his, his, his values, his discipline. Um, I think the way he approaches every day. And hate to say I told you so, but I sort of that, that had a lot to do with why, you know, I wanted to come play here because I knew, you know, the, the attention to detail and the discipline that he requires. Yeah, look, those guys have a history before their time with the Suns, and it's funny how often everybody talked about, well, we got to bring in so-and-so, we got to bring in Tyson Chandler because maybe that'll get this guy to come here, or this free agent, or we got to do all this stuff to bring in LaMarcus Aldridge. I remember that was a big deal a few years ago. we got to bring in this player because this will make other players. How about you bring in a coach that is stable and good and has credibility around the league, and then you get Chris Paul because of it? I mean, that's not me connecting dots and saying, oh, I think they got Chris Paul because of it. That's Chris Paul saying you got Chris Paul because of Monty Williams. Now, on top of all that, you have to be able to coach as well. We've seen it where a coach can recruit, but not necessarily coach in-game. And uh, Monty Williams has been able to coach during the games as well. This is his reaction to getting the, uh, the award today. I'm humbled by just being in the conversation. I'm a bit overwhelmed in that regard just because there's so many coaches um, in our league that sacrifice a ton every single day for their teams and organizations. You know, no, no, not one coach is teaching bad stuff, has a bad intention. And um, when you get recognized in that way or in this way, um, I'm mindful of that. I'm just grateful for the opportunities I've been given. I just, I, I truly believe that one of the hardest things, if not the hardest thing in sports, is changing a losing culture. And the Suns, the four years they before they brought in Monty Williams, 23 wins, 24 wins, 21 wins, 19 wins. So not only were they winning like 23 and 24 games a year, they were actually trending down. 19 wins the year before. That was their, their worst season in franchise history. I remember 
I'm pretty sure those four years are like four of the six worst in franchise history. Yeah, this is a storied team. Yeah, like exactly. Other than the fact that they don't have a championship, like the Suns have never really been bad in their franchise history until those four years. Until until like yeah, until those four years, those you know the last decade or so when they haven't made the playoffs, it's been. But before that, they they were one of the best teams, and I think people forget that with just how bad they've been. But but yeah, I mean, I think. He's the number one reason why they've turned it around. I, I, it's I'll listen to arguments that it's somebody else, but I mean, to me, the next biggest argument would be Devin Booker, like drafting him, and he was here for all four of those horrible years, and he played and he played well, but the pieces around him were not there, and there just wasn't a lot was missing. Again, it's not only Monty Williams; he's not the only reason the Suns are as good as they are now. Chris Paul certainly this year is the reason they made the jump from last year to this year, but the Suns were respectable last year. And I said this at the time, Monty Williams getting this team to go 8-0, and really just getting this team to show up for those games in the bubble when they ultimately probably knew they didn't have anything to truly play for. He gets them to show up and go 8-0. and That was one of the most impressive things I've seen him do. And then, you know, it opens the door. Hey, Chris Paul's here, and look at that. As I'm, as I'm talking, there is a Chris Paul State Farm commercial on TV uh, in the studio. All right, let's get into the rapid reaction. The Rundown Rapid Reaction. reaction. Reacting to today's top three trending sports stories. Well, we don't know who the Suns are going to play yet, but we know they're going to play game one on Sunday. So Lakers-Warriors tomorrow. The winner plays the Suns on Sunday. So even for Golden State and L.A., you're going to get get some time to rest up. I mean, the Suns need it a little bit because you're dealing with some potential injuries uh, that are lingering with DeAndre Ayton and Cameron Johnson. But even a team like the Lakers, if they win tomorrow, they're still going to get Thursday, Friday, Saturday to rest up before the game on Sunday. So injuries are going to be a factor because they always are in the NBA playoffs. And this has been such a strange year with the condensed schedule and everything. But you don't typically get a week off before the playoffs. And if you're not in that play-in tournament, you're getting a week off, basically. Suns played their last game on Sunday, and they will play again this upcoming Sunday. So that's what we thought. Utah is going to play on Sunday, too. The NBA is not going to miss a chance to have Steph and or LeBron playing on Sunday. I mean, operating under the assumption that both those teams win one of these play-in games and, and get in. Uh, the Eastern Conference, we know one team the Suns will not be playing, ever. Charlotte Hornets did not show up for their play-in game. They lost 144-117. to 117. So, if you're still trying to piece together how the play-in tournament works, I don't blame you. Charlotte's out. Indiana wins, so they play the loser of Washington-Boston, which is going on right now. The winner of Washington-Boston is already in. They will play the uh, the Brooklyn Nets, but the loser has to play Indiana on Thursday. And, of course, that's the way it's going to work tomorrow. We keep talking about Lakers-Warriors. Well, whoever wins that plays the Sun. The loser plays the, uh, the winner of Spurs-Grizzlies, and the winner of that will play the Utah Jazz. Now, I heard, I think it was Bickley Murata talking about this earlier. It's sort of strange that the team that's the number one seed is going to be the last team to find out who they're playing in the first round of the playoffs. So you don't have a ton of time to prepare. Um, you know, and you've seen all these teams over the course of the season, but that is that's sort of a, a glitch in the system. I do like the way if, if they're going to do the play in tournament, I like the way they're doing it where seven and eight have to lose twice or yeah, twice to miss out. Whereas nine and ten have no no margin for error. Like I I like that they at least did that instead of just saying seven versus ten, eight versus nine. But it is a little more complicated until we all get used to it. And it, it kind of, if you're Utah, 
Or if you're Philadelphia, you're kind of like, wait a minute, I don't get to know who I'm playing until right before I play him. Uh, and I mentioned DeAndre Ayton and Cameron Johnson. Sounds like they will be back for game one. At least Monty Williams is optimistic about their chances of being back. Uh, Cameron Johnson missed, what, the last six? And Ayton missed uh, the last three with knee soreness. So, I mean, they're going to need Ayton for sure. He's he, You could make a case he's their most important player in the first round if they end up playing the Lakers. He doesn't have to be their best player, but he... He has the, the widest range of, uh, of of possible outcomes and certainly the guy that could swing the game one way or the other. So they're going to need DeAndre Ayton. Even if they're playing Golden State, they're going to need DeAndre Ayton. But certainly if they are playing the Lakers, they need him 100% or as close to 100% as you could be this time of year going into Game 1. All right, a team that is not 100%. The Arizona Diamondbacks, it appears, suffered another injury last night. We'll get into that and their matchup with the Dodgers tonight. Next, it's the Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. The home of Arizona Diamondbacks baseball is 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. We're checking in on the D-backs as they warm up for the game's first pitch. D-backs on deck, brought to you by Sonic. This is how we Sonic. Stop by your nearest location today for the Twisted Texan Cheeseburger and Footlong Coney. For a limited time, only at Sonic. And by Trajan Wealth. Get your retirement on deck with Trajan Wealth, your local trusted financial fiduciary. TrajanWealth.com. All right, well, we've gotten to the point in the season, and we're only 42, coming up on 43 games in. Where the Diamondbacks have had so many injuries, I'm I'm learning new injuries. Have you ever heard of a left adductor spasm before yesterday, Jesse? And I feel like I've heard no. a lot of injuries, and I understand I cover hockey a lot of the time, and, and their injuries are just upper or lower body, so I understand that that maybe takes me out of the, yeah. the loop a little bit. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> but uh, but I mean NBA, NFL, baseball, they they're pretty specific with their injuries. I had not heard of a left adductor spasm. That is why. Madison Bumgarner had to leave the game after pitching just four innings last night. And look, he didn't look like Madison Bumgarner has over the last five starts, even before he left. Hopefully it's not a big deal. He said afterwards he doesn't think it'll be a big deal. I feel fine. I think this is going to be something that is going to be, you know, it's going to be a non-issue in in a couple days. I could be wrong about that. I don't, you know, I don't know. But um, judging on, you know, things that I've, dealt with in the past and and all that I feel like this is is going to get taken care of pretty quick I don't think it's a big deal and we want to keep it that way yeah look I want to believe him and I don't think he's lying I mean Madison Bumgarner knows his body better than anybody but we just heard Luke Weaver on Sunday say yeah I don't think it's a big deal and now he's on the injured list and it's the 2021 Diamondbacks so everybody's on the injured list all the time (laughs) It's, it's unbelievable we talked about this coming into the season. For this team to contend for one of those wild card spots, not impossible, but they need pretty much everything to go right. And it does feel like there's one or two teams every year that kind of hangs around and overachieves because everything just goes their way. Almost everything has gone against the Diamondbacks this year. It really has we're only a quarter of the way through the season, but I mean it is a it is a struggle to put together a full lineup for this team right now. And Tory Lavelle, I thought he was really good on with Burns and Gambo today. He's on with him every week. But he, you know, he's candid. He usually is. He's the one that's got to help this team and lead them through all these injuries so they don't start feeling sorry for themselves. It's been a challenge. There's no doubt about it. Um, and we heard from the guys 
that that they're that are missing. We know what what they're going through to try and get back here as fast as possible, and it certainly adds to to a level of our frustration. Yeah. Okay. So that'll get us to the pitching matchup tonight. And even as we were doing this D-backs on deck show last night, we weren't really sure who was going to pitch tonight. Uh, now we know. <laughs> it's good. The game starts in 50 minutes. Uh, so let's get you the pitching matchup. When the game is on the line and you've been injured, nobody matches up to the Berg Simpson Law Firm. Visit BergSimpson.com. That's B-U-R-G Simpson.com. Good lawyers changing lives. Berg Simpson may have to pitch uh, game four of this series, actually. But for tonight, it'll be Corbin Martin pitching for the D-backs uh, against Julio Urias. Now, if you if that name sounds familiar, Corbin Martin he is not Corbin Carroll, who's the D-backs' top prospect, who's already out. But uh, Corbin Martin did come over in the Zach Greinke trade, and they like him. They have high hopes for him. 25-year-old righty. Probably didn't want to bring him in quite this soon. I don't know that they were necessarily intending to have him pitch this early this season. And you never really want to ease a pitcher in against the Dodgers and Dodger Stadium. But that's the way it is. So he has pitched. Uh, he started five games in his career, all with Houston back in 2019 a 5.59 ERA. I'm not going to read anything to his numbers from two years ago. But um, with Reno this year, a 1-0 with a 1.86 ERA and two starts. He's one of their better pitching prospects. MLB.com had him as their number seven overall prospect, I believe, coming into the season. And um, look, we're all excited to see him, just maybe not under these circumstances. And Burns and Gabo asked him flat out, you know, was, was he going to be a guy that was going to be stepping in and pitching if if your team was healthy at all? Probably. I don't want to say that anything short changed, but with where we're at right now, we have fast-forwarded so many careers and <laughs> pushed them up to this level, and he, he fits right into that category. But player development does a great job of developing these guys. They're feeding us information, uh, and, and these guys are always talked about. They're, they're in just about every conversation. These younger players that are making these types of splashdowns at the big league level right now, um, and Corbin's name was certainly being floated around uh, throughout the course of these these injuries. We're certainly happy to see him up here tonight. Yeah. Now the potential good news coming up is they may get Cattell Marte back as soon as this series. So you know, keep your fingers crossed for that one because they obviously it, it has been. I know they've struggled lately. Now they've won just three of their last fourteen. Prior to that, though, they were hanging around despite not having Cattell Marte, and not like one hitter is going to change everything. But it certainly helped. All right, let's take a quick look at the MLB standings brought to you by PNC Bank Financial Tools and Tech to help make things easier. And in the NL West, you can see why these games against the Dodgers are so big right now. The D-backs, 18 and 24, seven and a half back of first place. They're in fourth right now. The Dodgers are actually in third, but there's three teams all bunched up at the top. The Dodgers are in second or third with, uh, with a 23 and 18 record. The Padres, 25 and 17, and somehow San Francisco in first place at 25-16 and 16 on the year. So the D-backs just need to win some of these division games to climb back into this race and uh, hopefully tread water until you are able to get Cattell Marte back. Let's take a look at the keys to the game. Listen, man, I'm you. She's the key master. I am the key master. D-backs keys to the game. Brought to you by Sand Chevrolet. Sands makes it easy. Shop how and where you want. Online in the new Sand Showroom. Find new roads at sandchevrolet.com. Well, last night the main key to the game was stay healthy for a full game, and that didn't work, so we're not going to try that tonight. My other key to the game last night was you need the lefties to get to Walker Bueller, and they really didn't do that. So tonight we're just going to make things very simple. Score. 
The D-backs have one run in the last two games. <laughs> so we're just we're going to we're going to start from from as simple as possible. Score a few runs tonight. Give your young pitcher a chance, preferably score early. It's going to be tough enough for Corbin Martin, even if he goes on to have a great career. It's going to be tough for him tonight to step in in Dodger Stadium with a very beat-up team behind him and win the D-backs the game. So let him go out there, you know, whatever. He gets you four innings, five innings. Maybe he, you know, maybe more. He's got he's got good stuff, but give him a chance, right? You can't go out there and not score again. Like I said, two one run over the last two games for the Diamondbacks. Julio Urias is not easy to get your offense going against. He's five and one this year, a three point two six ERA, and specifically against lefties, he's allowed a one sixty batting average and a two twenty nine against righties. I mean, he's just not giving up a lot of hits this season. So the D backs are going to have to probably manufacture some runs off him, and then hope you can get to the uh, the bullpen later in the game. But at least give Corbin Martin a chance. Uh, your lineup, real quick: Paven Smith, Tim LaCastro, Eduardo Escobar, Josh Rojas. So Rojas hitting cleanup. Andrew Young batting fifth, David Peralta, Nick Ahmed, Dalton Varsho, and then, of course, Martin will step in and uh, be batting ninth in this one. Game number 43 for the Diamondbacks tonight as they try, at this point, to stop the bleeding, both in terms of their record, 3-11 and in their last 14, but also, like, physically, try to get through a game. Be nice to get the win, especially over the Dodgers in L.A., but it'd also just be nice to get through a game and have the positivity of everybody came out unscathed. This is baseball. This is not football. This should not be, <laughs> it shouldn't be like this, but whatever. That's the way it's been so far. So D-backs and Dodgers coming up here in just a couple moments. Thanks to Jesse Morrison behind the glass. I'm Luke Lipinski. Thanks to you for listening. This has been the rundown on 98.7 FM. Dodgers, D-backs coming up next on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.